I'm Jack Cotterella. And I'm Aaron Parnas. And this is Zoomed In. On this week's episode of Zoomed In, Aaron and I will start off by hitting the headlines and follow that up with an incredible interview with gubernatorial candidate and Florida's Commissioner of Agriculture, Nikki Fried. Finally, we will close, as we always do, with Tweets of the Week. Aaron, you excited for this episode? Jack, this is going to be an awesome episode. Better believe it is. So let's not waste any time. Let's zoom in. Aaron, let's hit the headlines. Let's do it, Jack. And let's start off by hitting the biggest headline of them all. Jack, and what is that? You moved to college this week. I did. It has been a long process, uh, a lot of waiting, a lot of excitement, but I am finally here in Hanover, New Hampshire at Dartmouth. I had my first day of classes this week. Uh, it has been an exciting time. This school is amazing. The people that I've met are incredible. Uh, and I am just so excited for the next four years. I cannot wait. And then um, tell our I, listeners, what are you majoring in? So right now I have not yet declared it, but I will most likely be majoring in economics, uh, maybe with a combined major in gov, maybe philosophy, maybe environmental studies. I don't know yet. Um, but a lot of interesting classes out there that I'm super excited to take, but I will most likely be an economics major um, and, you know, a lot of great stuff to learn out there. And I'm excited. That's awesome. And, you know, something else that's a little more serious other than you moving to school that happened this week is a new book um, from Bob Woodward, uh, the third in his book of the Trump administration, um, covering the Trump administration is coming out. And in this book, he talks about how General Mark Miley, who is, was the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff under President Trump, uh, called the, his Chinese counterpart multiple times and made secret phone calls to them to assure them that Trump will not start a war with the Chinese during his presidency. And just a few hours ago, Senator Marco Rubio, our great spineless Senator from Florida, mm. called on Biden to immediately fire General Miley because of these secret phone calls. Jack, what do you think about this? Well, I just think it is maybe lost on us a little bit how often, uh, you know, we, we get reports like this from a Woodward or, you know, from other reporters. It, I think we forget sometimes how close we were to just like not only the collapse of democracy, but so much going wrong if the 81 million Americans who showed up to vote for Joe Biden had not done so. If, if we turned out in fewer numbers, if Gen Z did not turn out in the numbers that we did, what America would be looking like right now. Um, all the reports that came from General Milley and the general fear around um, Donald Trump as a potential threat to our national security constantly really just shows us how important it is to this day and age, get out and vote and make sure we are not having another Trump in the White House or anywhere in power, whether that be a Ron DeSantis in the governor's mansion in Florida or a Greg Abbott, or you know, this is coming out on Wednesday, hopefully not a Larry Elder in the governor's mansion in California. Um, It's just frightening, but it just shows us how important it is that we do what we did in 2020 in every election, which is turn out in huge numbers and know that the Republican Party is a a threat to our democracy, is a threat to our national security, and is a threat to the American uh, way of life. And uh, just one more thing on Marco Rubio. I I don't want to hear from him just at all. I don't. Besides my take on Marco Rubio. Well, listen, Jack, one thing I can say that no matter what happens, Marco Rubio will never step foot in the White House as president of the United States. 
in this lifetime. He won't. Not going to happen. And for that, we can all be very, very, very thankful. Yeah. If you if you need something to brighten your day, give you a little smile today. uh, Just 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 think about one of his Bible verses. (laughs) Just just think about how Marco Rubio will never be president. That's a great. That's a great thing to remember every day. Every day, I like to remember that Donald Trump isn't president and that Marco Rubio never will be. And if that doesn't make you happy, I don't know what will, because those I, are two fantastic things to think about. Yeah, honestly. But on a more serious note, honestly, the fact that Bob Woodward was able to interview over 120 former Trump administration officials, those who had direct access to the president, to these um, classified phone calls, documents, et cetera, and is able to release this book to demonstrate how close we truly were from nuclear war, whether it be against China or anywhere else, is shocking. It shows how truly unhinged the, pre- the former president was after November, after November election. And it shows how democracy really, um, if, if Trump won, how our democracy probably would have fallen apart by now. So yeah. Thank- and, uh, yeah. Yeah. And Rick, and Rick Wilson used to, used to tell me, um, during the, you know, the 2020 cycle that the Trump administration leaks like a submarine with a screen door, um, <laughs> and so I do not see these being the last reports that scare us to death from the Trump administration. I agree. I think there will be more. It seems like there are every day um, and there will definitely be more to come. More reasons to be grateful that we have competent adults in the White House again. I and- fully yeah, I, fu- I fully agree with you. And honestly, I'm actually kind of thankful this week's headlines have not been that crazy and we haven't had too many of them. Mm-hmm. We're going to keep this segment a little short this week so that you all can listen to our amazing guest coming up, Florida's uh, Commissioner of Agriculture and Consumer Services and potentially Florida's next governor, Nikki Freak. So we're so excited to, listen for, to have you guys listen to her. And with that, let's jump right in. Let's jump right in. Today, we are so excited to be joined by gubernatorial candidate and Florida's Commissioner of Agriculture and Consumer Services, Nikki Freed. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. We are so excited to have you. Well, I'm excited to be here today. I, I know that you guys are, are doing some great work out there and to be able to be part of this bigger conversation, I'm excited about. So let's jump right in. Um, Nikki, could you tell our listeners a little more about yourself and why you decided to run for governor this year? Absolutely. So born and raised in Miami. I have a younger sister who lives in Palm Beach County with my incredible niece and nephew. Uh, And so they are part of my motivation every single day to make sure that we are providing a good environment for them in the future. And, you know, growing up in Miami, I saw all walks of life. Uh, Went to Palmetto Middle, Palmetto High School, so a, a public education kid. Um, But I also, when I was in high school, I spent a lot of time doing volunteer work, uh, both uh, doing Habitat for Humanity and soup kitchens and, you know, human rights, you know, parades. Um, And it was always just ingrained in me to want to make the world a better place. Um, Down, you know, my Jewish upbringing teaches me to you know, to kun alum, to, to heal the world and to always stand up against injustice. And that's really who I have always been my entire life. And, you know, I was fortunate to have been elected and honored in 2018 as yeah, Florida's 12th commissioner of agriculture, the first female to ever have been elected to that position, uh, first Democrat to hold a cabinet position since 2012. 
And I took that responsibility very seriously of, you know, making sure that every day I represent all 22 million of our Floridians. And, you know, what I saw time and time again is the corruption of our state. Um, that we've had one party rule uh, for almost 25 years, uh, one party system, which has led us to have um, education's 47th in the country. We haven't expanded uh, our healthcare system. We don't, we still have, you know, lowest paying jobs in, in the nation um, and just a, an environment that is about, is literally collapsing on us. And so I decided to run for governor for a lot of reasons, but more so because I've seen the corruption of Tallahassee. I've seen how it hurts the people of our state. And I've been taught to stand up against that kind of stuff and to stand up against injustice. And I could not see a world where I was not taking on Ron DeSantis, the Republican machine, um, because I just know that we can that we can do better. The people of our state deserve better. Mm -hmm. And now somebody who's held that statewide office, um, I know that I'm the right candidate to make sure that we make Ron DeSantis a one-term governor. Absolutely. And you, and you talk about standing up to injustice and knowing that's something that you can do. Um, and I think that's something that Gen Z as a whole saw that we could do in 2020, that we could have a real effect, make a real impact and have our voices heard. So for young people like ourselves and Gen Z across the state, um, what is your message to young people who want to get involved politically and make that fight uh, for justice for our state, a fight for Florida's future and a fight to flip Florida blue? You have to. There's no choice. Um, you know, that the next generation, like, look, I'm, I'm 43 years old. Um, you know, I, I've, I've, I've seen that the state of, of affairs of Florida. And so when we do these things, it's for you all, it's for your generation. And it's not just about you all voting. It's about engagement, you know, making sure that, you know, that we as elected officials spend a lot of time uh, really trying to lure in votes, whether it is minority communities, whether it's generational communities, and then we say goodbye. And, and don't engage people in change. And that's not how you govern. You can't just govern and expect, okay, well, I got past the finish line and I ended up being the one who gets sworn in and then believe that I know everything and I got here by myself. That's Absolutely. not how this is supposed to work. Right. And so it really is important that the next generation works with us in conjunction of how to mold our country to make you proud to be Americans, to make sure that we're fighting for democracy, that we're fighting for change. I mean, there's so many laws on the books that don't make any sense. Let's talk about cannabis reform. Right. Um, you know, it just it makes no sense whatsoever. And there and criminal justice reform mm -hmm. and in our environment. I mean, we are still cold dependent. It is 2021. Yeah, that's and, crazy. It's insane. And yet we haven't had the political will from our elected officials to make the real systemic change because everybody is so beholden to the special interests. And that's when I come in. I'm not a career politician. First time I got elected in 2018, the only people that I'm beholden to is you. And that will never change. And I agree. And I, and I think it's time Florida really has something new, someone new in the governor's mansion. But in 2020, we saw how the Republican Party, especially in South Florida, labeled Democrats as socialists, communists, and really threw the kitchen sink at us. How are you going to combat these misinformation attempts throughout this campaign? We're already starting to do that. And what happened in 2020 was missed opportunities. Um, that I can't tell you how many times I spoke to the Biden campaign. And again, I'm a Miami girl. And I kept saying, what is going on in Miami? What is happening in Miami? We're losing the, the Hispanic vote. We're losing this vote. And they're like, oh, we got it. And I was like, you don't got it. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and they're like, well, we're going to have a J-Lo concert. And I was like, 
while I love JLo and have such mm. respect for the diva um, <laughs> and, and like, my God, if I look like her at her age, like props. Mm. Um, but at the end of the day, a concert doesn't motivate people. And especially right. if they were trying to use JLo to target Cubans that again, she's Puerto Rican. And so it's not even knowing the demographics. So what we have to be doing is having those conversations now today um, and, and showing, you know, and one dismissing all the misinformation that's out there. You know, we already have a, a pretty aggressive um, Latin American council that's working with me that anytime they see anything of misinformation out there, they immediately combat it, which we did not do in 2020. And in 2018, and Andrew had an opportunity. Somebody asked him, are you a socialist? And he paused Right. And that that split second pause gave fuel to the fire. Right. And, and so one of my first videos that I've already put out this year is Yo Soy Capitalista. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we are tackling this head on, um, you know, just because we will have values that we believe in taking care of people doesn't make us a socialist. Um, I, you know, I have was a small business owner myself. I was a 15 year practicing attorney um, and a poli sci major from the University of Florida and master's in politics. Um, I don't think people really understand what socialism and communism even are. And, you know, for certainly it, it is so demoralizing to say that, especially to people that are leaving countries that saw socialism and communism and right. saw what that was doing to their people to then say Democrats are socialist is the most ludicrous thing I've ever heard, where it, it is actually the Republican Party who is doing more to hurt democracy yep, in our yeah. country than anything else. True. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. Uh, and you talk about these policies that the Democrats that we want to enact because we know that they can help the people that we want to serve. Um, so, Nikki, what do you envision being the most important policies? What are your priorities if you were to be elected governor? What would be the first year? What would that look like? What are you focused on for our state? You know, first, first of all, healthcare. So Medicaid expansion has got to be one of the top things that we do yep. almost instantaneously. Um, second is education. Right now, do we realize that the that the governor's sitting on 14 billion, that's mm-hmm. a billion wow. dollars was, that was dispersed from the White House, well, from, from Congress. And it's sitting there for public education. And, and he's sitting on it and, and has actually not even applied for the third tranche of money that was supposed to be going down. So time and time again, the Republicans have gone after you know, public ed- traditional public education. And I think I'm done quite well with my life. Jeff Bezos, who's a graduate also of Palmetto High School, has done quite well with his life, um, <laughs> as is our current Surgeon General, who's also a Miami Palmetto grad. Um, so we need to be putting the money and the resources into our public education system. And of course, you know, I, I, I am a firm believer too in choice. Um, because not every student fits into a traditional mold of our public education system and being able to kind of make sure what works for, for that individual student, but not at the detriment to our public education. We are 47th in the nation for a, a, a state the size of Florida to be third, to be 47th in education is so embarrassing. Um, so we've got to be focusing on our education system. We also need to be focusing on affordable housing. We can't lure in the better businesses that are going to pay the better wages if we can't find homes for their employees. 
Um, right now, we've seen time in and time out for the last 20 plus years that the Sadowski Fund, which is what the money for affordable housing has been gutted. Um, and then even this past year, the DeSantis administration turned back to the feds almost $500 million in affordable housing because they couldn't administer it right. Um, so it is just sometimes it's just going back to the basics. Let's make sure that we've got food on the plates for our families. Let's make sure we've got homes and roofs over their heads, right. a living wages, and making sure their kids get educated and making sure that we've got an environment that we're not breathing in pollution and that we don't have buildings that are collapsing because we have deregulation and saltwater intrusion because we haven't fixed seawater, you know, sea level rising and the infrastructure of our state. So we've got a lot to work on and to focus on. And of course, legalization is, yep. you know, top, 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 top of my, you know, actual policy initiatives. And, and I think those are great policy initiatives, but we live in a state right now where Democrats are in the house are facing a super minority. And in the Senate, we are in the minority right now. And I mean, I would hope that we flip Florida's legislature blue in 2022, but the odds are that we won't in a lot of ways. Um, so how will you be able to govern um, as a Democratic governor with a Republican leg leg legislature? You know, if I say it's going to be easy, I'd be lying. Um, but but certainly um, I'm somebody who, as my, I use, get to use my past life of, of being a government consultant. Um, that's what I did for five to seven years is that I walked the hall. So I know all of these guys. I know how the process works. I have relationships with all of the incoming Senate president and Speaker of the House the next four years. So I know the incoming leadership and I've worked with them. Um, and in fact, my first legislative session, uh, I passed one of the, the largest priorities of my administration was we legalize hemp in our state. Um, and this is something that people kept walking into and saying, huh, hemp, it's not cannabis. I said, no, it's non-euphoric. Um, it's a CBD marketplace, but it's also an alternative crop for our farmers. Um, it's going to be able to be used for industrial purposes. And I went on my whole soapbox and was able to get it legalized my first legislative session with one no vote the entire process. So three committee stops in the House, the Senate, on the floor, both chambers, and it was a Democrat who voted against it on the floor. Wow. Um, so I am used to working with Republicans and, and working together to try to pass good legislation. The other thing is, you know, what's very powerful, that veto pen mm -hmm. um, and, you know, utilizing it when necessary and threatening it when appropriate, um, including on the budget line items. And so this is going to be something that they're not used to, but they're going to have to work with me. And they're going to have to, if they're going to want any of their priorities or any of their budget you know, necessities, we're going to have to work together. Um, otherwise, I also have the power of calling a special session. And so those part-time legislative jobs no longer become part-time, they become full-time. Um, because if you're not going to work with me, then you're going to sit in Tallahassee with me and we're going to hang out. And um, so, so it, um, but it's, but it's going to, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not going to be a walk in the park. Um, but quite honestly, no governor just walks in their first couple of years and just gets all their priorities anyhow. Um, that's why we have three branches of government, um, but the branches have to work together. I fully agree. And I think to finish off right now, something more pressing is the COVID-19 pandemic and the surge that Florida is currently undergoing and has been undergoing mm -hmm. for the past few months. Um, the governor today came out and had a press conference with the attorney general and other congressional leaders. Um, and where he had an anti-vaxxer literally come up and spread misinformation and didn't correct it. Um, yep. To our listeners, I mean, what can we do over the next 11 months, 12 months, 
until the election in November? What can we do to combat that misinformation coming from the governor's mansion and um, to really save lives in the meantime? Yeah, but it was a, a full cabinet meeting without the, the, the third cabinet member. Yep. Um, <laughs> yep. Um, you know what? And I think that that's really important. And I think I thank you, Aaron, for bringing that up because it's going to be all of us. It's all of us to to when we see that misinformation out there to shoot it down. I, I'm so disappointed in our governor um, that he just sat there and he listened to that misinformation and did nothing to correct it. Hasn't um, emphasized uh, the necessity for vaccines in almost 20 weeks. Um, I think there was like a small moment a few months ago mm-hmm. that he's talking about the vaccine and then all of his supporters like went out against him. And then that was that. Right. Um, so again, he's more important for about his next election for president um, than he is about the health and wellness of the people of our state. So it's really important that we all, when we see it, we automatically dismiss it. Um, and then we start talking to our, our friends and our neighbors right? because at the end of the day, people are tired of hearing from us electeds about this. Everybody knows where we all are. And I can scream until I'm blue in the face. In the last you know, seven weeks, we have every single day been doing press conferences to get out the correct information, to be a, a constant um, voice because the governor has been a void um, in leadership during all of this. So, but people are tired of hearing from me and from other electeds. You, we all encourage it. We are supporting the, the vaccines and, and wearing a mask indoors and, and doing things that are gonna protect us. So it's now gonna be upon the people to really be talking amongst their friends and especially your generation, um, you know, because unfortunately your generation right now is the ones who are in some of the smaller groups that have been vaccinated um, and are in the larger groups to be getting COVID and getting right. sick and being in the hospitals. So it is going to be imperative that you keep talking about it, talking about it with your peers. And now uh, with that Dartmouth in the background mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> banner going on, um, by talking to your other colleagues and your other classmates on campus and encouraging Absolutely. people to, to, to get the vaccines. And if, you know, and certainly any of your listeners are saying, hey, I want to get involved. I want to open up a vaccine location. I feel that there's an underserved population part of our state. Contact me, contact our office. We are in consistent communication with the White House and are working to bring additional resources down and unfortunately have to go around the governor um, because he is just standing in the way, um, not just on vaccines, but on getting the right information out, um, support even for our hospitals and our first responders. Um, So it's going to be all of us talking to our friends and our neighbors and family members. Yeah. And Gen Z is ready to to lead that charge. uh, And we're going to lead that charge as well to flip Florida blue. Uh, While Ron DeSantis has his eyes focused on the White House, we know you have your eyes focused on Florida's future. And we appreciate you so much. I think Aaron and I can both confidently say that we are definitely ready for something new in Florida. Yes, And we we look forward to that happening in 2022. So thank you so much for coming on Zoom, Dan. It was a pleasure to have you. Absolutely. And anytime you guys want me back, I'd be happy to do so. You guys are an important voice out there in the electorate. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Now it's time for everybody's favorite segment, and that includes Aaron. Aaron, what segment is it? Tweets of the week. Tweets of the week. So let's get into it. Our first tweet comes from our good friend Jake Lobin about the California recall. Jake tweeted, just had a three-hour layover, so I phone bank for a couple of hours and wanted to share a good story. I talked to an 18-year-old who just registered to vote 20 days ago so she can vote no. It's her first election, and she said, my California won't survive with Larry Elder. She's not wrong. Our next tweet comes from David Korn, 
talking about how, you know, it was it came out this week that Dan Quayle was instrumental in pressuring Mike Pence to actually do his job and to not try to overturn a Democratic election. So David tweeted, Dan Quayle helped save the republic. That's how warped the Trump era is. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. Couldn't spell potato, but, you know, helped save democracy. So thank yeah. you, Dan Quayle, for that. And our final tweet, some excellent news from John Cooper. Breaking, President Biden has reportedly told Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi that he's ready to pressure moderate Senate Democrats to change the filibuster rule in order to pass a new voting rights law. Aaron, do you know what I'm going to tell you happened right there? Joe Biden had lemons. He's going to he's going to squeeze Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema, and he's going to make some voting rights lemonade. That's what's going to happen. He's going to put the pressure on him. I'm going to get this thing done. It's time for all Democrats to get on board, to get us our voting rights, to strengthen democracy. It's just too important. So let's do it. It's time. Let's go, Joe. Let's go, Joe. Let's go. And with that, those are the tweets of the week. Boom. And that is our show. Thank you so much to Nikki Freed for coming on for that incredible interview. And thank you to our listeners, all of y'all who Zoom in every week with us for being a part of this journey. Uh, We love having you listen to the pod and we really love it when you rate and review. So, you know, leave us a five-star rating if you think this is a five-star podcast. We think it is. And we'd love to hear some feedback from you as well. Uh, And make sure to subscribe, tell your friends, uh, and keep Zooming in with us every Wednesday. Uh, Aaron, where can the people find you? Find me on any social media platform at Aaron Parnas, A-A-R-O-N-P-A-R-N-A-S. What about you, Jack? You can find me on Twitter at J.D. Cacciarella. That's J-D-C-O-C-C-H-I-A-R-E-L-L-A. Thank you so much for Zooming in with us, and we will see you next week.